G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, years of war in Iraq and in Syria, of course, as you might already be well aware, has forced many Christian families to flee those terrible, violent war zones. Under ISIS, Christians, some would say, were almost made extinct in Iraq and Syria. But in Iraq, after what is called a territorial defeat of ISIS, there is a reduced level of persecution, and many Christians have been courageous enough to attempt a return to their homes. So let's see if we can get some insights into the very latest developments of life today in Iraq. Tim Reed from Open Doors is joining us. Hello, Tim. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Thanks for having me. Tim, this is exciting to hear that Christians can be moving back into their homeland. Uh, Sometimes they're referred to as internally displaced persons. Uh, But when they do move back, oftentimes their homes have been destroyed. Uh, There are no churches and it's hard to get a job. So take us into some of the issues that are going on for people who are trying to move back into their homeland. Yeah, so it really is a blessing that Christians are, in large part, if they want to, able to return home at this point. Uh, but as they return home, as you've said, there's large parts of their lives which can't go back to the way that things were. So in a lot of places, we see that only a third of the Christians have returned home. Uh, and that means that if there was a town of 100 people at one point and it was a Christian town, then only you know 33 of those are going back. So going back can feel like Everyone's moved on and the world has moved on, but ultimately these Christians who want to go back to their homeland find it really tricky. And when they go back, there's a real absence in terms of the infrastructure that's there. So not only were their homes destroyed, but the churches too were destroyed. The road networks are gone and there's no reliable electricity or water where once there might have been. So it is hard for these communities to reestablish themselves and uh, these Christian communities are not doing it alone. Open Doors is certainly helping a lot in this way. One of the most successful methods that we've been helping is through small business loans and business training that accompanies that. And we've seen a very high rate of success with that, a lot of uptake and a lot of people interested. Well, we'll unpack a little more of that as we go. But as I understand it, Tim, as some Christians return home to rebuild, uh, even when we're talking about uh, no home there anymore, no infrastructure, even the roads are uh, really damaged and destroyed, but they're still facing some levels of discrimination. It's not like they're going there with welcome open arms. Uh, There's all sorts of other areas of discrimination that still are very restrictive for Christians. Yeah, absolutely. So living in a majority Islamic society, Christians, particularly in Iraq more so than Syria, but in Syria to some extent, uh, Christians find themselves being persecuted and increasingly there is legislation from the government in Iraq that Christians need to behave and conform 
to certain more Islamic styles of life. And so Christians are faced with, you know, these big questions about, well, how do we continue living here when Islamic State occurred and there was huge persecution, particularly violent persecution, but now there's restrictive persecution. And it seems like the government's clamping down. Uh, I think another example of it would be in Iraq, we've seen Christians who went back and they've had to go back to homes which they saw taken over by their neighbours in the name of Islamic State. And how hard is it to go back and love people with the love of Christ when you saw them claiming all of your possessions in the name of Islamic State? So there's a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation, but Christians are are willing to do it, and, and many Christians are excited to do it, excited to go home and rebuild. And I imagine, Tim, that we here in Australia need to be excited about that too because what hope has a nation got if it no longer has Christians who are being salt and light in their communities? So in the best interest of the country, no doubt, to have those Christians resettled and then, in fact, becoming useful in their communities, influential in their communities, that's got to be a goal that we can all hang on, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And one pastor from Syria, he put it really well. He said that the church is Christ's ambassador on earth. And uh, in Syria, when the civil war happened, a lot of different countries withdrew their ambassadors, and that was a disaster. But imagine if Christ had withdrawn his ambassador and the church had disappeared. Well, that would have been an unrivaled disaster. And so with Christians being able to return and stay, it is exciting for the whole body because it represents that hope, that opportunity that people can come into a right relationship with God and maybe even start a walk with Jesus in their own lives. Now, I imagine, and there are no such things as government-sponsored Christian resettlement programs. So when it comes to organizations like Open Doors, you guys have such a significant role to play. I want to draw a little bit of attention to and ask your thoughts about what's going on with what you're calling centers of hope. And uh, I guess you're going to be asking people to be supportive of uh, what can happen with those centers of hope. But what's the intention with centers of hope that you're trying to get established right across Iraq and Syria? So centers of hope are an idea which has come from the churches on the ground. We have pastors who chose to stay throughout the great turmoil in Iraq and in Syria. Uh, these pastors identified that these communities had incredibly great needs and the needs weren't just from the Christians. Uh, and so they saw an opportunity to evangelize through these centers of hope uh, and they proposed that churches could have an additional space, not just the church itself, but an additional space where they could help do children's programs. They could help provide emergency support for people, whether it be clothes, food, and in some cases emergency cash, uh, to make sure that people knew the love of Christ and, and that uh, that need to feed the hungry and clothe the poor in that circumstance could be fulfilled. And so these centres of hope are very much like community centres, but with a vision to allow people to know that Jesus Christ is Lord through them, have been established, connected to existing churches and administered by pastors. So it's an incredible program to help people who are trying to get resettled, uh, people who 
have also been displaced and are settling in a new area for the first time. It's an opportunity to receive aid directly from the church, from people who are saying that this aid is only given to you because Jesus Christ loves you. So that's a program that Open Doors is really excited about, and that's our entire purpose. Our entire mission is to help people follow Jesus all over the world, no matter the cost. And so seeing an opportunity to help people while they encounter Jesus Christ is our number one cause. So these centres of hope, it's not just food and it's not just support in the way that you're talking about it, but practical things like job training and even the ongoing need for discipleship for those believers as well. That's going to be an important element of getting a foundation in place. Absolutely. So the goal is sustainable communities. We don't want to uh, just provide aid and then see an increased need or ongoing need. We want to make sure that these communities which are getting established become sustainable over time. And so, as you say, jobs and uh, job programs are really important for that. Children's programs are exceedingly important, and those are connected to counselling as well because this whole generation and the next generation have been through incredible trauma, which is going to need to be treated for years to come. And so we want to make sure can be done and that these communities can sustain themselves and exist into the future but again founded on the love of Jesus. Uh, Tim, we know that Open Doors does a wonderful job and supporting those Christian believers in persecuted situations. I'm going to ask you how listeners to our conversation today might pray for these developments that are going on in Iraq and just mindful of the fact too that coming up on the 3rd of November, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church and no doubt there'll be a little bit more said before then, but how would you encourage listeners to our conversation today to pray for believers in Iraq and perhaps around these ideas of centres of hope? I would ask people, you know, really consider uh, with your prayers, um, you may not know the names of the people who are doing these things, but you can pray for individual pastors. God knows exactly who you're praying for, and so you can ask God, God, please uh, bless these pastors and, and help them in this time as they help the communities around them. Uh, pray for communities to come back together and for reconciliation and for a new day in Iraq and Syria, for a new day of blessing, that these communities can be sustainable and be a blessing to those around them, not just be blessed themselves. As well, if people want more information on Centres of Hope, they can absolutely find it on our website. But as you said, a great way to engage in prayer is through the International Day of Prayer, which is coming up on the 3rd of November. And that's a day when we ask churches and groups all across Australia to pray for the persecuted church. Last year we had over 5,000 people pray all on this one day and we would ultimately, we'd love to see double that if possible, praying for the persecuted church. And it could just be taking five minutes out of your regular Sunday service to pray for the persecuted church. Uh, So you can find all of those things on our website. 
Well, there are good things to draw attention to. The Centres of Hope and the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. Tim Reed from Open Doors. Uh, Tim, let me point people to the Open Doors website where people can find some links to support these sorts of things that you've got going, some campaigns, especially this one around Centres of Hope and helping to support persecuted believers who've been displaced from their homeland actually come back and to re-establish their homes, re-establish the churches, and therefore re-establish that Christian influence in their communities. It's opendoors.org.au. Opendoors.org.au. Tim Reed, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me on, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.